How you doing, you scruffy-looking nerf herder? I'm good. How are you? Happy Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day. We're recording this on May 4th, so may the 4th be with you. What's your relationship to Star Wars, Joshua? I, I've unfortunately seen all the movies. Um, some of them are good, some of them are not. I, I care less about Star Wars than I do Star Trek. I feel like Star Trek is the better program. I but, care uh, equally little about both. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Why? I don't know. Because Star Trek has some good things in it. Like, Star Trek V, batshit crazy. It's the best. Is that the one where William Shatner talks to whales? No. <laughs> that's um, that's the fourth one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the fifth one is when the Vulcan cult leader takes over the Enterprise and then, like, tries to take them to go see God. Ooh, that sounds fun. Who plays God? It, uh, it was some some old guy I don't remember. Oh, hmm. But he wasn't really God, and William Shatner decided to piss him off. Yeah, William Shatner's decided to piss us all off at one point or another. I'm so glad we're talking about Star Trek on Star Wars Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy. Now, I did watch The Mandalorian also. I just couldn't bring myself to care about it, so I really just watched it until I got to the Amy Sedaris episode. I only watched the Amy Sedaris episode. I skipped all of them and just watched that one. And it didn't matter because, like, nothing happens in this show that I needed to know about other than he's carting a Yoda puppet around. Yep, he's hauling around Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is really cute. From the settings that I've seen on the the few episodes that I watched, it seems like he's almost always on Tatooine. I'm assuming that's for, like, fan service. Or budgetary reasons. Pro- or that, yeah. It just looked really cheaply made, because they're just in a barren desert all the time. Yeah, and I could give a shit about that character. He has no personality. I have no reason to care about him. I like Baby Yoda okay. I really loved Amy Sedaris's character, even though she looked like Ripley from Alien. Um, I wish we could have had a show about her and Baby Yoda. That would have been fantastic. Well, I only watched this one episode, so this was episode five. And the Mandalorian lands on a planet, and he needs a mechanic, and Amy Sedaris is the mechanic. But she also decides to babysit Baby Yoda, and then try to charge him for it. (laughs) That sounds like Amy Sedaris to me. I expected her to be a little more over the top, or in some sort of Star Wars alien makeup, kind of like Billy Crystal in The Princess Bride. I don't know why. (laughs) I kind of did, too. And then I I actually watched it, and I was like, you know what? She really gave a a layered, nuanced performance. Yeah, she was just kind of herself with the big lesbian mechanic perm. Well, I guess that's also one way of looking at it. (laughs) Well, you know, if I were were on Twitter in in November 2019, I would rename myself Amy Sedaris's Mandalorian perm. (laughs) That'd be a good Twitter handle. That would be a good handle. But I thought Baby Yoda looked exceptionally cheap in this episode. Like, it just looked like a little, like, felt puppet that she was holding. 
Oh, yeah, he did vary um, in both size and quality, I noticed. Um, sometimes he looked like the size of a toddler, and the other, ti- other times he looked really tiny. Well, Josh, we all experience swings in weight, and we, sometimes we can't do anything about that. Especially when we're under quarantine. That's <laughs> true. Well, one thing I wondered, like, is if Amy Sedaris was actually puppeteering him, like... Like, when an actor's holding a puppet, are they also operating the puppet? Because who is? Well, I think sometimes, but I think he was primarily CGI. But maybe that was the difference. Like, there was puppet Baby Yoda, and there was CGI Baby Yoda, and that's why there was some discrepancies in his appearance. Yeah. Well, the only thing I liked about this episode was to- Toro Calican, who... Whoever the hell that is. Whoever the hell that is, we'll never know, because he only got, like, 20 minutes of screen time from introduction to death. But Oh, wait, was that the guy that dragged him, like, out into the desert, and he was, like, a wannabe bounty hunter that thought he was hot shit, but he needed help? Yeah, and he turns against him at the end and gets shot. He kidnaps Sedaris at gunpoint. Oh, that's right, that little bastard. He was hot, though. He was really cute. I didn't know he was Bobby Cannavale's son. Yeah, we've seen him before on Nurse Jackie. Really? Who does he play on Nurse Jackie? Bobby Cannavale's son. (gasps) The one that was in rehab with her in, like, season four? Yes. No way! Okay, he was a lot scruffier in this, so I didn't make the connection. And that was also, like, six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, it was way back in time. So he was even more of a baby then. Here I thought he somehow looked both more masculine and gayer than Hal Sparks. <laughs> like, I don't know how that's possible, but it was. He, I, I was just going to say that. How could he look gayer than Hal Sparks? He lived in that paradox somehow. <laughs> but so today I did watch episode nine because they released it on Disney Plus and I still have a Disney Plus free trial. Oh, you mean the movie episode nine, not so I episode the nine movie, of the Mandalorian. Episode nine, yeah. So I've seen all of them except for number seven. The the Jedi comes back. No, what was that called? Force Awakens. Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said the Horse Awakens, and I'm like, that can't be right. That would might have been a better movie. This movie was so boring. You yeah. saw this one? I did. We had to go see it in the theater, like as soon as it came out. Well, one difference I did notice between this and The Mandalorian is that, like, they probably shot them both in a barren desert, but this one, they at least put fun stuff in the background. Like, they had the budget. They had the budget to create a background. I honestly don't remember much about the movie now that I start to think about it. Well, there's not much to remember. I I thought I would give it a fair shot and, like, only half pay attention to it, because these movies are worse the more you pay attention to them. I think that's J.J. Abrams' M.O. He loves mystery, but not solving it. Yeah, well, that's for damn sure. The biggest mystery for me in Star Wars Episode Nine is why is Carrie Russell in it if she doesn't even get to take off her helmet? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Carrie Russell's in it, but you wouldn't know. And the only reason I knew was because Reed told me. I only knew because I heard about it in, like, an interview or something. Or, like, a preview of the movie. I'm assuming that she wanted to be in it and they they found a way to put her in because I don't know why she would like go to the effort of like auditioning and like all the bullshit to be in it if she didn't really want to be. 
Well, her and J.J. Abrams go back to Felicity, so she probably didn't have to audition. Oh, I didn't know that. I am not down with all the Felicity information. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could argue that J.J. Abrams wouldn't be a thing without Carrie Russell because Felicity was his first show that he created. I did not know that. I'm glad that you are here to tell me these important things. Yeah, so maybe he was just paying her back by giving her some of that sweet Star Wars money. Maybe so. Like, I'd love to know how much she got paid to not even show her face in a Star Wars movie. It could have not even been her. Like, how do we even know it was her in the suit? Same thing with The Mandalorian. I assume that's like an actor, but like, how do you know it's even him? It could be anybody in that suit. Oh, yeah. I know who that actor is, too. I just forgot his name. Um, But yeah, it could be anybody in there. It could be Amy Sedaris in there. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing if he took off the helmet and it was her? Yeah, that would be hilarious. That would be great. So that's all I have to say about Star Wars, Josh. Well, I mean, that's all you really can say about it. So may the fourth be with you. And you. So you um, you read an interview with uh, your favorite author, and uh, not mine, Stephen King, in the New York Times magazine. But it was called, Stephen King has an idea for the story Joe Biden could be telling. And this right. was published on April 26th. And written by David Mar- Marchese, Marchese, Marchese. He puts the cheesy in Marchese. That's for damn sure. Talking to Stephen <laughs> King. In addition to uh, talking about the coronavirus and how he wrote the stand, they're also talking about how uh, he he came up with the idea for Donald Trump in the dead zone. Did he say that? No, he, um, he said, <laughs> does Trump remind you of any of your characters? Um, this has been going around for a bit, though, so it wasn't like this was an original amazing question for him to ask. Um, but, of course, he answered Greg Stilson from the Dead Zone, because um, he's a giant dickwad politician as well. So can you tell me about the Dead Zone? I haven't seen that or read it. Um, I read it about... 20 years ago I think it if I recall it's about a guy who oh boy I think he I think he falls into a icy lake and then he suddenly has the power to predict the future or maybe somebody else fell into a lake maybe that didn't even happen I'm pretty sure though that he can see things that are going to happen and like he tries to stop them from happening the the president no the main character oh, oh oh so how does this politician fit into it trump says greg stilson from the dead zone uh greg stilson is a politician and he says at one point you know what when i get to be president we're going to send all our garbage to outer space there isn't going to be any more pollution and people believed it but then they believed trump when he said he was going to build a wall and mexico was going to pay for it didn't they people want a simple answer they want a man on horseback and trump's that guy Do you think we could send our trash into outer space? I've wondered about that, like kind of shoot it to the sun to burn up, but um, it would cost a lot of money at this point, like maybe in the future. Hmm. If Stephen King ran for president, would people vote for him? Oh, hell yeah. Because he's somebody that people would want to drink a beer with. I remember, what was it, the George W. Bush, um, John Kerry election? 
They were talking about how George W. Bush was a type of candidate you wanted to drink a beer with. And I was like, I don't want to vote for somebody I want to drink a damn beer with. I want somebody who knows what he's doing and, you know, doesn't make up shit and start wars. I want to have a uh, beer with John Kerry because he can bring his wife and we can have some that sweet ketchup with it with some fries. What? Remember he was married to Teresa Hines, who is the like heiress of Hines Ketchup? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was the ketchup lady. So at the beginning of this article on Stephen King, there's a quote of Stephen King saying, I can't understand why you would want to talk to me at a time like this. And I just, I can't understand that quote for a variety of reasons, because this is like the seventh interview or article about Stephen King since we've been in quarantine for like three weeks. So like, of course, a reporter from the New York Times, which spends all its time sucking Stephen King's dick, like, of course, they want to call up and talk to him. Um, yeah, not to mention he has a new book out to promote, which they do in the article. Oh. Um, I th- maybe Stephen King was joking. He does have a sense of humor from time to time. Well, maybe it's the author's failure then, because it doesn't come across that way. Um, it doesn't. And also, it just makes me think, like, if, if you can't... You also... Stephen King doesn't have to respond to these questions. Like, just because just cause the New York Times calls, you don't have to answer. <laughs> like, He's especially always going to answer. King. Yeah, he always answers. And I think him and Donald Trump have that in common, is that they can't, they can't keep their mouths shut. They, want, they, have a, they have an opinion, and they have a comment on everything, and they want to share it. All the time. All For the time. No reason on any topic so um, speaking of that he did address his his own his own bad takes that he had been um, called to task for on Twitter a couple of them so the first one let's see well scrolling through the article the first one he mentions is the Oscars one which I had forgotten about did we talk about that one oh I don't remember I don't think we talked about it on this uh, delightful program. I don't... I thought the Woody Allen thing was the first thing you talked about, because that's where I was waiting for you, and then the Oscars is underneath it. Oh, I'm just scrolling through. So you can talk about Woody Allen first. Well, we already kind of did. He talks about it as being one of his Twitter missteps. And he says, uh, we've gotten very puritanical, and if you screw up, what I said was, man, I think it was wrong of that publisher to withdraw that Woody Allen book because let him go out there and say whatever he's got to say. Immediately, I was in the stocks and people threw electronic cabbages at me. And that went on for a while. Then they move on to something else. As if this is just something people do and it's not, you know, in response to anything that he has done or said because he's out there suggesting that um, they're, uh, what, they're censoring Woody Allen and it's a slippery slope to censorship Naziville. It's a close, like, analogous comment to Trump people complaining about sensitive snowflakes. Right. Hello, everybody. I'm Joshua Gross. And I'm Chance Chance Bobats, banana fan of Bobats, V by Bobats, Chance Lee. 
<laughs> and Joshua, you're the hostess who's the grossest. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome, welcome to Gross Misinterpretation. This is a gross bit, a bite-sized morsel of queer viewpoint in between giant Stephen King books. I love bite-sized morsels. I know you do. I got some almond M&Ms to munch on. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So we're going to have a new segment that we're going to introduce on this gross bit called Q-Tips, where we give a quarantine tip for how you can stay sane and healthy during these quarantine times. That's right. What do you got for us, Chance? Well, first of all, I just want to say I was thinking about my online dating days, and there's an OkCupid question that asks, in a certain light, wouldn't the apocalypse be interesting? And I hope every single person who answered yes is having a ball right now. Because <laughs> that's one of those questions that, I don't know, I never knew how I felt about that one. Uh, I think yeah. I think it, it shows a certain level of entitlement. Like, in the apocalypse, do you think you'll be okay? Or do you think you'll be suffering? Well, and I bet a large majority of your okay Cupid people aren't even giving it that much thought. Well, that is true. So, um, so my 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 Q-tip this week is Pluto TV. Josh, do you miss the days of scrolling through channels and having no idea what's going to be on? I sure the hell do. Oh, me too. Then Pluto TV is for you. So this isn't this isn't sponsored content by Pluto TV. Just as a side note, I even just though really it completely it. sounds like it. Well, if they want to pay us to advertise, or if anybody wants to pay us to advertise, they should. Who should they? Where should they email Josh? Uh, the gross one at outlook.com. Thank you. So um, Pluto TV, like, so I, one thing that actually overwhelms me, which shows how kind of lucky and comfortable I am right now, is that I have so many movies on my watch list, and when am I going to find time to watch them? Um, but that's something that has been stressing me out lately. So I really like this Pluto TV app. So it's an app that you can download. It's an app that you can download, but it's like the old days of cable where you have like 600 channels but you literally only know what's going to be on for an hour. There's no way to view their schedule. Everything is constantly streaming like TV. You don't pick a pick a movie to watch. You pick a channel and see what movie is on it. And it's fun just to flip through because I've been watching movies that I probably would never watch, but I watch them because they're on. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, because this is on. So right. I've, watched, I've watched three and a half Friday the 13th movies. Okay, so I also watched... Flesh and Blood. Have you ever seen this? No. It's Paul Verhoeven's first English language film, and it has Rucker Hauer and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh. And it's kind of like a, like a violent, sexy fantasy movie before Game of Thrones. Oh, that sounds interesting. You might like it. Jennifer Jason Leigh is is in it. I um, do like her and bad fantasy movies. Oh, you should totally watch this. Um, and then I also watched the Harriet the Spy movie with Michelle Trachtenberg. Boo! Is that an ooh or a boo? That was a boo! Oh yeah, you don't like that movie. I don't but, like that they modernized it and kind of changed some things about it. Um, I really felt like the time period was an important aspect of the novel. Yeah. They Well, you know, Nickelodeon Studios had to try to get kids, modern kids to watch it. So I was trying to figure out if this Pluto TV was some sort of like nefarious thing, but it just seems pretty normal. 
They've been around for seven years. Never heard of them before. It's like I, I have them downloaded on my phone because um, I was looking for something someday and I downloaded it and I kind of flipped through it. Um, but I think I was kind of annoyed that I couldn't see what was coming up. Yeah, that is. I wish you could see maybe a two-hour block instead of a one-hour block. That that would be nice. But that would it was be nice. Preloaded on the new TV that I got, so I've been watching a lot of it. So, what's your Q-tip, Joshua? Well, my Q-tip um, has been um, honing a skill. Um, we have a lot of extra time on our hands in quarantine right now, and honing a skill is um, a great way to use up some of that time. I got a book on um, kawaii crochet. They're cute little amigurumi crochet things that you can make. Um, and I've just been going through each one and forcing myself to figure out how to make it. And it's really helped me improve my crocheting because I figured out things I didn't even think that I would be able to figure out. Like, I had to make a popcorn bucket with individual pieces of popcorn that I had to crochet, and I thought, there is no way in hell I'm going to figure out how to crochet individual pieces of popcorn. But you know what? I totally did it. I'm so proud of you. I know, and I made a carrot cake. It's so cute. It has frosting, and it has little carrots on top. Did you crochet some butter topping for your popcorn? Um, I crocheted the popcorn in two different colors to make it look like it was buttered. So there was, um, there was white popcorn kernels and then there was like a pale yellow popcorn kernel. Um, and they're all mixed together. So it kind of looks like they have butter on them. That sounds really good. It's really neat looking too. I was pretty impressed with myself. Have you ever heard of a temperature blanket? Uh, No. I might have the term wrong, but so this is where you take the average temperature for the week and you crochet like a stripe of a blanket with the color that corresponds with that temperature and you do it for a year. Oh, that's neat. And then it kind of shows you the temperatures over the year with all the different colors. Yeah. And so it goes from like, you know, like a purple might be the coldest and then, you know, that goes up to like a blue, a green, yellow when it's warm, bright red in like the heat of summer, and you get the whole like rainbow spectrum. That's a neat idea. Yes, yeah, so one of my coworkers is doing that, and I thought it sounded really ugly when she was describing it to me, but I don't want to say that. And then <laughs> she, she showed me what she was working on, and it was actually really, really nice. I, I found it really striking. That's a neat idea. Um, all the little crochet amigurumi things that I'm making are um, sorted by color. Um, so I started with red ones, and I'm now into orange ones. And by the time I'm done, I'm going to have a whole rainbow collection of different cute crocheted amigurumi. Are you going to do a banana? Yes, there is a banana in there that is half peeled and has little eyes, and he's really cute. But it's been a great way to pass the time in quarantine. Um, by the time this thing is over, I'm going to be like a crocheting expert. That's amazing. I'm going to have no new skills because I've been wasting my time. Well, now, you know, it's never too late to hone your skills, man. So, Josh, what's the grossest thing you've done this week? This week I have done Jane Fonda workouts. In an effort to not turn into a 
500-pound monster during quarantine. Um, I've been watching free Jane Fonda workouts on YouTube. Reed and I started out with uh, the regular original one um, that she did. And boy, that kicked our asses. Um, And all we did was the warm-up. Like, (laughs) we didn't get any farther than the warm-up. And we were like, oh my god, we can't go on. So the next day, we decided to try um, a more recent old person workout. Um, And that we managed to get through pretty well. And while we're doing it, she gives us tips on, you know, what prevents Alzheimer's and keeping our joints flexible as we age so that, you know, we feel really old um, and creaky as we're doing these exercises. But, I mean, it's better than nothing. So are these old? people ones like when were these recorded uh recently like in the last you know i would say within the last five years or so oh i had no idea i didn't know she was still doing these videos yeah oh that's funny oh i'll have to watch that i thought this was like in the 80s and she still was like young but was doing it for old people no she's doing it for old people because she's an old person herself now and oh. uh she has a bunch of old people there with her and they're all doing her exercises and warding off Alzheimer's. It'd be really funny if it was the same people from the eighties video, but they were now old too, you know, that would be really funny. There's a few times where she has us do like a certain exercise motion and she'd be like, remember this from the old days, we're still doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So I did the 1985 video as well. Um, that you sent to me. Jane Fonda's beginner workout, I think it's right. For beginners, whatever. It's beginner ballerinas. It's yeah, it's beginner if you're like first year ballet, like New York University ballet school. Right. Everybody in the class is really, really fit and toned, including Jane. Um and it yeah it totally kicked my butt as well i attempted to do the whole thing and i was hanging in there for quite a bit until the hip and flexibility exercises those sound fun that that well i mean they look fun jane makes them look pretty sexy um and there's like two cute guys in the class oh that's nice yeah but then for her idea of a cool down she says now just ease back into a shoulder stand so she's just on her shoulders with her legs straight up in the air like toes pointed towards the ceiling this is the cool down and she's like and just (laughs) ease your feet back over your head and so her head and shoulders are on the ground and then her like butt is like up above her face and her feet are like three feet above her head on the ground And then she says, slide your legs across your face. And she goes back (laughs) into a reclined position. I I couldn't imagine doing anything close to that. I just laid there in awe watching this. But when you were talking... It's more like watching the circus, isn't it? This is like beginner Cirque du Soleil training. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not dissimilar. So I I read a book. This was actually my first... Yes, this was... Thank you for your interest. Um, this was actually <laughs> this is my my first book of quarantine. I haven't read anything. Um, Are you serious? It's been like two months. I know it's been two months. I've just been watching a lot of movies. 
Wow. Yeah, well, I'm still teaching this class, and I read a lot of student papers, and I just don't want to read a book. Oh, well, that's understandable. Yeah, and not being able to go to the bookstore or the library means that I have a few books that I've read, like, 20 pages, and I don't want to keep reading them. Hmm. So I haven't found the right one. But so I read the new book by Rebecca Stead. She's a children's author. Oh, have you re- yes. Have, have you read any of her books? Yes, I read that book where the girl's mom was really wanting to go on that game show. The Pyramid. And it was talk- and it, Yes, and it kind of dealt with, like, um, class among the, the children. Yeah, that's When You Reach Me. And that was the Newbery Medal winner, I think, in... 2010 maybe 2009 yeah that was a really great book that's a great book so she's one of my favorite authors um i often say that my favorite books are those that are written for sixth grade girls um (laughs) that's that's my jam right there um because they're like 10 11 they have no interest in boys they're like solving problems for themselves it's great oh yeah that's a good point i really like um catherine called birdie Catherine called Birdie, yes. Yeah, that's a oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, I forget the author's name, but that's another Newbery Medal. I think that was an honor book. I don't think it won the Newbery Medal. Um, but yeah, that's like Bridget Jones's Diary, except she's like twelve and living in the fourteen hundreds. Yes, I loved every page of it. Yeah, it's like if Bridget Jones was like in an arranged marriage and had body lice. <laughs> Which is probably going to be the next Bridget Jones book, the way those are going. Probably so. I think she's running out of ideas. (laughs) But so the book I read was Rebecca Stead's newest book that just came out um, on Tuesday, like April 29th or something. It's called The List of Things That Will Not Change. And it's about a young girl whose parents are divorced and her dad is remarrying his boyfriend. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so the boyfriend, whose name is Jesse, he also has a daughter who lives in California. They live in New York City. And the main character is really excited to have a stepsister because she's an only child. It sounds like a very good book, and I will probably add it to my list. You should add it to your list. It's very interesting. It, you know, it explores... Well, I feel like there's a trend these days where all middle-grade protagonists has to have some sort of like disease or disorder like they have dyslexia or they have autism oh yeah and rebecca said's really scraping the bottom of the barrel this girl has eczema that is her (laughs) cross to bear (laughs) so there's a lot of chapters about her eczema um you know representation is important representation is important and i just the way it's described eczema is not pleasant so i do feel for her and she goes to therapy uh not for the eczema (laughs) <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the therapist gives her a lot of really interesting techniques that I appreciated as someone who uh, moved and doesn't didn't doesn't have health insurance and isn't seeing his therapist. It was nice to have little therapy sessions through this book for children. Um, one of the techniques the therapist shares is to schedule her for the girl to schedule her worrying. So she has worrying for 20 minutes in the morning and worrying for 20 minutes after school. And if she starts worrying in the middle of the day or at night, she tells herself, okay, I'm putting you aside and I will worry about you later. Oh, that's an interesting idea. So did you have any final thoughts for this gross bit, Joshy? 
we're both still working on um, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleepy. Yes, we are both still working on that, so everybody can look forward to that episode eventually. Yeah, my nipple count is at two. Oh, okay. Well, we're moving right along with the nipples in this one, I guess. They He brings up nipples pretty quickly. He does, so I can't wait to find out how many times he talks about nipples in this book. Stephen King is the, the king of, like, my eyes are up here. Like, I feel like... How many women in in his actual life do you think have said that to him? Like, Steve, my eyes are up here, Steve. (laughs) Probably all of them. Because all of his female characters enter a room nipples first. They do. Well, this has been a great gross bit, gross bit, Josh. Gross bit. It has been a good gross bit, and I've enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for getting together with me under quarantine. I've enjoyed you as well. Thank you for coming into my bathroom and recording this gross bit together. Hey, anytime, man. All right, well, until next time, where can people find us if they have any questions, comments, or concerns? Please drop me a line at thegrossone at outlook.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes if you are so inclined. All right, well, I guess I'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.